And I bless Mary Lou. I bless you as you share the word in Jesus' name that you would just be so delighted by what he has to tell you. And I just thank you for the ways he's whispering to you even now, the sweet truths that he wants to reveal and bring out and share with this congregation. So we bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Judy. Appreciate it. It's so good to be here with you today. I'll tell you, the the presence of the Lord is just so beautiful. And um, I'm just really grateful for this opportunity to be able to share the Word of God with you. Um, I just wanted to put in a plug. Uh, Last week we had the snowstorm and and a lot of you weren't able to come and hear Pastor Barry's message, which was excellent. And it's on the website, so uh, I hope you'll take time to uh, listen to that. He talks a lot about Timothy's um, discipleship under his mother and grandmother and uh, obviously the Apostle Paul and um, what we're doing in our church as far as discipling our young children. So please listen if you have a chance. It's great. Uh, Today I'll be speaking from 2 Timothy 4 verses 1 to 5, continuing in our Fan the Flame series. And the title of my message is Be prepared in season and out of season. I've got two points for you to look ahead to. Uh, The first is Timothy's charge, and then second is our challenge. Uh, We're not going to get off easy, and um, I just will share a few personal testimonies from my life that I think help support what God is challenging us to do. Uh, Let me read that scripture now, 2 Timothy 4, 1-5. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Amen. Let me just pray. Father God, we thank you for the presence of your spirit here with us today. And and I just ask for more, Lord. You're so good and so gracious. Lord, as the word comes forth, will you bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we will apply this to our lives, that we will see and know your heart even in a greater way. And I ask this for your son's glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Timothy's charge is given by Paul, and before we even get to that, Paul reminds Timothy that there are two witnesses that are hearing this charge, and one is Father God, and the other is Christ Jesus. So there's great solemnity and reverence. Every time that Paul mentions Jesus' name, I love that he also gives us some facts about Jesus, or breaks into praise. And this time, he gives us three roles that Jesus will be playing in the future. 
The first is that he will judge the living and the dead. Uh, that means if you and I are followers of Jesus Christ, one day we will stand before Jesus and we'll give account of what we did with the gifts, the talent, the time that he gave us here on earth. Secondly, Paul reminds Timothy of his second appearing here on earth. He came the first time as a baby, grew into a man. At this time, he's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords, which leads me into the third point. He's going to establish his kingdom here on earth. His throne will be in Jerusalem. Now, this charge that Paul gives Timothy, we don't use that word very often, but actually it's a formal instruction from a judge or a bishop that gives a responsibility or a direction to someone. So Timothy is charged not to be a spectator, but to fully participate in the preaching of God's word. And I believe that that charge is not just for Timothy, but for us as well. As we near, you know, the end of the age, we don't know when that will be, but we are called to be fully engaged and prepared not to be spectators, but to be fully aware of what God is doing and enter into that with him. So Timothy is charged to preach the pure, full counsel of God's word. He's not to preach his personal opinions. He's not to preach um, maybe what the latest fad is in our culture or society, or even you know what the latest trend is in church. He's not to preach what people want to hear. He's to preach the word of God that does not change, that does not return void, but always accomplishes what God desires. The word of God reveals the secrets of men's hearts. And it's so important that Timothy know that and remember that as well as us, that the word of God would always be going forth and running swiftly. You know, I grew up in a church, and I went to church every Sunday, um, but I really did not hear the gospel until I was about 29 years old. Now, perhaps it was there among the liturgy somewhere, but I missed it. And when I was 29, I had a friend who invited me to go to the Billy Graham crusade. This was back in the early 80s, and uh, to hear him. And I thought, yeah, that that'd be good. You know, I have to admit I was not going out of any spiritual desire. It was more like, well, he's a famous man and I can check that off my list. I heard Billy Graham. Whoa. You know, so I was kind of in for a big shock when I got there that night. Dr. Billy Graham, I still remember his message. It was, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Well, I had heard that particular verse every time I went to church, but this time when it went forth, I suddenly was aware that it wasn't about me. You see, I had sort of made up my own kind of um, regulations of what I thought God wanted. I thought, you know, I'll keep the rules. I'll try to obey all the Ten Commandments. Um, I knew who God and Jesus were, and I thought, you know, they want me to be moral kind to others, treat them well. Well, that night when I heard that message from Billy Graham, my sort of doctrine and standards 
for what God required began to unravel, and I realized I was lacking. I, I still didn't come to the Lord that night. I didn't go forward, but I do remember there was a, a, a very a weighty sense of the Spirit of God there, and I, I suddenly was aware, like, Mary Lou, you've, you've had it all wrong. I mean, there was a part of me that wanted to stand up and say, why didn't somebody tell me what the truth was? I, I really was in a lot of different places. And I also felt like I was riveted to my seat, like I could not move. But this began the beginning of a search for the truth in my life. I mean, I think the first thing I did was I'll read different literature. I'll, I'll read some meaningful poetry. Well, I wasn't finding anything there. Eventually, I ended up in the word of God and found the truth of what God was saying, of, of the revelation of who he is and of the redemption of mankind that's found in this wonderful book. That night, you know, God pierced my heart and, and again began to unravel the, the lies and the fuzziness that I had. You know, the word of God is to be read aloud. I, I encourage you even in your private devotions at home, if, if you're not going to bother anybody, to read the word aloud. Um, and when it goes forth, it changes the atmosphere. Uh, if we look at Romans 10, verse 14, Paul wrote this book as well. But he asks a series of questions as to, you know, why does the word have to be preached? And here's the questions. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? They really can't hear, can they, unless someone preaches to them. And, you know, the world often calls this foolishness. It just doesn't make any sense, you know, but... But there is something, there's a power in God's word that penetrates again hearts. It's true, it's true, it's true, and its foundation endures forever. And we might not understand it right away, but I'm amazed at how, you know, the Holy Spirit will bring things back to me that I heard before I gave my life to him. He, it's in there somewhere. It's in my heart, and I just thank him. And so Timothy's charged to preach the word of God. And I believe God wants us to as well. Well, when is Timothy charged to preach the word? Is it just on Sundays or for his private devotions? No, he's to be prepared in season and out of season. And we're not talking about spring and summer, winter, fall. He's to be ready when it's favorable and when it's unfavorable. When it's welcome and when it's unwelcome. When it's politically correct and when it's not politically correct. And when he feels like it and when he doesn't feel like it, he is to preach the word of God. Um, Timothy pastored a church in Ephesus. And if you have time later, look in Acts 19 when Paul was there on his missionary journey and preached the word Boy, he really ran into some opposition because Ephesus was a center for uh, the goddess Artemis. And um, silversmiths 
made lots of money by making idols of Artemis, and she's also called Diana in some versions. And so when Paul preached the word, telling them to turn from worshiping idols to worshiping the living God, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, riots happened. I mean, Paul had to get out of there, you know, barely with his life. And so there is something that happens when the word of God is preached. I believe people either get mad or they get glad. It's really hard to just be neutral. And I like getting glad. It's, it's a good word. You know, this week uh, we had the opportunity, if, if you watch TV, to see the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu address Congress. And I believe this was sort of a um, in-season, out-of-season out word that he gave. I mean, I know this was about um, nuclear arms and allies and everything, but he referenced the word of God twice. And he reminded us, as Christians of our heritage, too, uh, even though he's Jewish, um, and so he mentioned Esther and how she bravely risked her life to step forward and approach the king and let him know about a plot that was out um, to destroy the Jewish people of that time by the wicked Haman. And then later, at the end of his message, he mentions Moses. I guess there's a, a seal in Congress of Moses. He was the one who delivered the people out of bondage and slavery. And so Netanyahu referenced the fact that um, Israel, like America, is for freedom. That's part of, of our heritage and our ideology, to be a free people. And so I believe, um, though some may say Benjamin Netanyahu was not welcomed, uh, he still gave the word of God, and it went forth. And I believe there was an anointing that was very strong upon it. He risked criticism. He risked persecution when he did that, not just, you know, from uh, Washington and the cabinet there, but from his own people, uh, from people in the United States, from many people just misunderstanding him. Um, he risked, in a sense, his future. But I believe he was prompted by God to do that. So how is Timothy to preach the word? Well, in this passage, it says he's to correct, to rebuke to encourage with great patience and careful instruction. I'm glad that encouragement is listed in there. Um, we've got correction. Oh, that means tell us what we're doing wrong. Rebuke, that means tell you to stop doing what you're doing wrong. But encouragement, we all need that in every aspect of our lives, don't we? Um, you know, Timothy as a teacher would, would be, uh, as a preacher and teacher would come along someone and say, I saw the way you did that. I saw the way you served. Keep it up. That's great. Or, or he'd say to someone else, Sarah, I saw the way you ministered and waited upon the Holy Spirit. That was awesome. Keep that up. And when we get that encouragement, what does it make us want to do but continue on this, this path, this walk with the Lord? And uh, Timothy, um, you know, is supposed to do that with careful instruction, as well as with gentleness and humility. That's part of what a teacher has to be. Sometimes it takes a while. We don't know when that seed that we've planted will come to fruit or when it will be evident on the outside, even though it's germinating inside. 
About 30 years ago, I was a new believer, and God gave me an opportunity to encourage a brother in the faith. And um, I lived on another side of town, and uh, this, this young man lived in the neighborhood next to mine. He was disabled and in a wheelchair, but on sunny days, you know, he would come into my neighborhood and uh, would, uh, as we do in Indiana, he'd let out a holler when he got to my house, you know, Mary Lou. And if I heard him and wasn't busy, you know, I'd leave my house and go out and we'd just chat there by the side of the road, gossip the gospel together and have a good time. Well, one day I heard my name being called and I, I went out the house and this time I could tell that he was in turmoil, that his, his spirit was kind of grieved and restless. And he asked me if uh, I would give him an opinion on something. And I said, sure. So he began to tell me that that weekend uh, his girlfriend was going to be coming and staying at the house with he and his mom. He lived with his mom. And that his mother had given them permission to sleep together. And he wanted to know what I thought of that. So, you know, I was kind of surprised this wasn't our usual conversation. Um, but, you know, as I paused a minute, I was just so aware of the Lord Jesus' love for him. I was so aware, you know, that he was praying for him right at that moment. And having had many conversations with this young man, I knew that he loved the Lord Jesus too, that he wanted to follow him and be faithful to him. And I just reminded him of Jesus walking here on earth as, as a man, also God, and that he faced every temptation that we do, yet without sin. And then in Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16, it, it tells us that he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses and that we can come boldly and confidently to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And so I encouraged him with that. And, you know, he shook his head yes. Like he, he kind of knew that all along. But it's really confusing when you're getting two different sides and they're both authority figures in your life, God and what his mother had said. But I'm just so grateful, and I know you are too, that we serve a God who doesn't just say, you know, do this, do that. But he, he gives us grace to obey him. We can always come to that throne of mercy knowing he understands that we're weak and we need help. And, um, you know, I, I believe and hope that my friend did that that day. I, I didn't follow up on that to find out. But um, God is faithful. He's faithful to bring us that encouragement. And he wants us to encourage others in the word of God, too. Well, why is Timothy to preach the word? Paul knows that the time is coming when people are not going to want to hear the truth anymore. We're at that place right now, obviously. Um, I read something recently that in the past 50 years, there have been more cults and new religious followings and leaders and just ideologies of men than in any other time in history. There's so much to choose from out there. And some of these things aren't really new. They've just been given new labels because the enemy from the beginning has been trying to steal, kill, and destroy and rob us of uh, our inheritance and God of his inheritance. So Paul is exhorting Timothy to preach the word. 
um, and give forth the truth because people are going to heap up a great number of teachers around them that are going to suit their own fancy, their own desires and lusts. And these teachers will actually foster or support the errors and the sins of the people. When people are tempted, they're going to turn away from the truth, from the truth of God's word and also from the truth of Jesus Christ. There's a deliberate turning. It's not just that they're drifting. This is a deliberate turning. And Timothy is also reminded of Paul to fulfill his ministerial responsibilities uh, in the midst of being a pastor, he's going to see all kinds of things, the good, the bad, the messy, the ugly. Um, and he's to keep his head. He's to be level-headed through it all, to be a rock. And I know I personally am just so grateful for the pastoral staff here at the Vineyard. Um, I've been through a lot, and I'm uh, grateful that, you know, uh, Randy and Jane have been there to celebrate the, the wonderful times with me. And then when I've had tremendous times of loss, they've been there too. They've been there to encourage me. And, uh, you know, through all of that, if, I, if I'm, you know, emotional or whatever, they are a rock and they remind me of who God is and who I am. And, and we, need, we need to do that for one another. And um, Timothy's exhorted also to endure persecution to not give up and throw in the towel um, a calling from God is irrevocable it goes on and on uh, no matter how hard times get and so Timothy is exhorted with that as well as to be an evangelist to do the work of evangelism which means take the good news to people he's to keep that eternal perspective of, uh, you know, this, this is not really it here, but how we live this life here is kind of the dress rehearsal for, for eternity with God forever. Well, that sort of wraps up Timothy's charge, and now we're ready to get to our challenge. So what is our responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ, and what's our responsibility to the Word of God? Well, I believe, first of all, we are to know it. Uh, we can't feed ourselves and we can't share or teach others unless we know the word of God. Um, I'm going to read 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 to 17, just prior to this chapter. It says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This word is so powerful. It's, it's um, as if the Holy Spirit dictated it and moved upon the hearts of the prophets, of the apostles to write it down. And just the fact that it's been preserved all these millennial is, is a miracle, isn't it? Because this is a, a divine word and it's a word that's our guide even today. It never is outdated. And so, you know, we need to know this. We need to know it so that we can share it with others. I had um, the opportunity to pray for someone that uh, is in a tennis class that I'm in. About two years ago, he had torn his Achilles tendon, and he hobbled off the court, could hardly walk, and, and was back in the, the lobby, you know, waiting. And um, we finished the class, and then I just... 
felt you know, like God was telling me, send the word, pray, pray for those that are sick. So I went up and asked him if I could pray. And he said, sure, thinking I'd probably go home and pray. And so I just put my hand on his ankle, a 10 second prayer and, you know, ask Jesus to heal it. Nothing happened when I asked him. I said, well, can I pray again? He said, okay. So I prayed again. By now we were getting a few other people coming around to see what was going on. And I prayed 15 seconds this time. And then I asked him how he's doing. He said, the pain is gone. He got up and he started walking around. He was, he was pretty excited. And of course I was like, whoa, you know, this is, this is amazing. And yeah, yay God. And, and it was like a new Testament scene. Cause he was just telling everybody, just telling everybody what had happened. And I reminded him, I said, Jesus is healing you. Cause he wants you, he's pursuing you. He wants you to have a relationship with him and with his heavenly father. Well, that was over two and a half years ago. And then, you know, nothing's really happened until about a month ago. And uh, when I came to the class, uh, he said, you know, I want to talk to you about what happened a few years back about that healing. Is that okay? I'm like, sure. So uh, we stayed after and he uh, began to share with me some of the spiritual experiences and dreams and things that he's had in his life. And it was very interesting. Um, but it was very different than uh, what's in here. And so there was a part of me, the, the teacher in me, oh boy, I wanted to break in and kind of correct and rebuke. And I could feel the Holy Spirit very firmly saying, down girl, <laughs> be quiet. Just honor him by listening. Just listen to him. And so I did. And, um, you know, he just wanted someone to share all this with. And uh, I listened. And, and then at the end, I thanked him for sharing. And, and then I just asked, well, could I share with you what I believe? And he said, sure, yeah. So I began to share. And, and we went kind of back and forth sharing. It was over like 45, 50 minutes. This was amazing to me. And, um, you know, it turned out I got to give him the full gospel. I mean, beyond, you know, Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. It was like from Genesis and the fall all the way to God sending his son to bear his sins and the, the death, burial and resurrection, proving that our debt is paid. And I could tell as he looked, you know, he didn't he didn't quite get it or understand it, but I was getting pumped up, you know, and at the end, I just finished telling him how much I love Jesus. I just started telling him all the things that Jesus has done for me. And I know that God's word will not return void. Uh, he gave me permission to give him a few scriptures because he'd also heard this one word several times. And that word is in the Bible. And um, I gave him some references for that. And, and so, you know, I'm just counting on God to, to do what his word says he will do. And it was a wonderful experience, but I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't know the word and know the heart of our father who's pursuing, he's pursuing people. So it was, it was great. So I encourage you to know the word of God, the, the spirit behind it as well, and the author. Secondly, we are to guard and entrust the word of God. Uh, we had this earlier as we studied 2 Timothy. 
God wants us to disciple one another. He wants us to grow up and be mature so that we can disciple others and reproduce, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, another responsibility that we have is that we need to be willing to suffer for it if it comes to that. Um, usually, you know, there's persecution that goes forward when the word of God goes forward because there'll be that opposition and people that'll think you're going a little too far. Hey, the deep water's where it's at. So, but, you know, in the American church, we've kind of had a tendency in the past to make it all about convenience and comfort and kind of have a consumer mentality. But that's, that's not what it's about. It's about him. It's about sacrifice and commitment to him. So, you know, we have our brothers and sisters in the Middle East and in other parts of the world that are, that are dying, that are being martyred for their faith. And we, we need to be praying that they will remain faithful to the faithful witness. And we also need to stop and consider we don't know our future here in America. Are we, are, are we willing? Do we love Jesus? Are we committed to him? Is he truly our life? We need to know that. Uh, I've been reading through the book of Acts, and I just, just love that book. Um, and again, I, I just, just was amazed at how, uh, you know, when uh, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit fell on everyone. 3,000 people came into the church that day. And then, I don't know if it was a week or two later, but it's a chapter later, uh, Peter and John are on their way to uh, the temple for the time of prayer. And they come across a lame man. And uh, he wants, you know, alms. And Peter has nothing in his pockets, but he says, but I do have something in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Be healed. And he takes him by the hand, and he's up and he's walking. And so great things are happening when the word of God is preached. Um, there, was, there was prayer. There was unity. There was the power of his preached word. And just an abundance of new birth and uh, the kingdom of God advancing. And I'm praying for that in Indianapolis, in the churches here, and in our country. If God did it then, he wants to do more than that now. He does. Amen. Amen. Do it again, Lord. We love you, Lord. Let your kingdom come. And another responsibility that we have, number four, is to preach the word of God, to share it with others. Now, we won't all have the opportunity to stand in a stadium and uh, be a Billy Graham, perhaps, but we do have, you know, those one-on-one -on -one relationships with, with family, friend, co-workers, neighbors. And um, Colossians 4, verses 5 to 6 says it well, I believe. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Amen. You know, God, God doesn't want us to just take the word of God and pummel people or shoot silver bullets at them. We, we need to inquire of the Holy Spirit what that person needs. And uh, it may take some deeds of kindness before we're even able, given that opportunity, to share. But we need to be connected to the Holy Spirit. And, and when we see those opportunities, acknowledge him and, and ask that we just step into it and see what he'll do. Um, we, 
We also need to be aware and wise that the enemy has a plan. He wants us to silence our lips. He does not want the word of God to go forward. He's trying to take it out of our culture here in America. Uh, when I was a little girl, you know, we, we had daily devotions and read the word of God in public school. Now, that's gone. Uh, so be aware that the enemy, you know, wants to steal and kill and destroy. And if he can't do that, he wants to distort it. So we need to preach the true word of God with sensitivity, with humility, sharing our own uh, weaknesses so that, you know, we're fully human and all. <laughs> um, I, I read about Daryl Waltrip. He's a, a NASCAR legend, I guess. I'm not a NASCAR fan, but last month he was given the opportunity, the invitation to share his testimony at the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. And so he shared his testimony uh, about Jesus Christ. And then he also took advantage of the opportunity to share the gospel. And he had a wide variety in the audience. He had the Dalai Lama. He had the president there. He gave forth the word. And we know it will not return void. It's true. So lastly, number five, our responsibility above all is to live the word of God. You know, our walk must match our talk. We are living epistles and people are watching us. They want to see, you know, uh, what we do when we're impatient, how we treat our family members. Um, you know, they, they want to know uh, if we are a good employer or a good employee, if, we, if we're honest in our dealings. So we're being watched. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 4, verse 4, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So if we're going to live on this word, we need to know it. We need to entrust it and guard it and give it away to others. We need to be willing to suffer for it. We need to preach it and share it as opportunity arises. And above all, we need to live by his word. And I believe it's going to require great courage and sacrifice in the days ahead. It's, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be a difference between those that are living by the word and, and those that are maybe not fully committed. But it's going to be so worth it. He is amazing and his kingdom is glorious. And I just thank him for the privilege of being in his kingdom, of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sure you do too. Um, let me just pray, and then I'm going to invite Jeff Stoner up to uh, orchestrate and um, our uh, ministry time together. Father God, we just thank you for your spirit and your word, Lord. We thank you that it is alive, Lord, and just the opportunities I ask that you would give us, Lord, to make those choices to share your word and to fully live out your word and experience and encounter you. Lord, let your word not return void that's gone forth today, but accomplish all that you've desired. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.